We are turning in the scriptures to Second Chronicles, uh, chapter thirty-four. Second uh, Chronicles, uh, chapter thirty-four. Page 468 and 469 uh, in the Bible provided by the church. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem for 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, in other words, 16, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, Asherah poles, carved idols, and cast images. Under his direction, the altars of the Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them, and smashed the Asherah poles, the idols and the images. These he broke to pieces, and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on their altars, And so he purged Judah and Jerusalem. In the towns of Manasseh, Ephraim and Simeon, as far as Naphtali, in other words, up into the northern kingdom, and in the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and the Asherah poles and crushed the idols to powder and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. In the 18th year, in other words, when he was 26, of his reign, um, to purify the land and the temple, he sent Shaban, son of Azaliah and Masiah, the ruler of the city, with Joah, son of Joahaz, the recorder to repair the temple of the Lord his God. They went to Gilhalkiah the high priest and gave him the money that had been brought into the temple of God which the Levites who were the doorkeepers had collected from the people of Manasseh, Ephraim and the entire remnant of Israel and from all the people of Judah and Benjamin and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Then they entrusted it to the men appointed to supervise the work in the Lord's temple. These men paid the workers who repaired and restored the temple. They also gave money to the carpenters and builders to purchase dressed stone and timber for joists and beams for the buildings that the kings of Judah had allowed to fall into ruin. The men did the work faithfully. Over them to direct them were Jath and Obadiah, Levites descended from Merari, And Zechariah and Meshullam descended from Koath. The Levites, all who were skilled in playing musical instruments, had charge of the laborers 
and supervised all the workers from job to job. Some of the Levites were secretaries, scribes and doorkeepers. While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. Hilkiah said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan. Then Shaphan took the book to the king and reported to him, Your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and workers. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah, Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Abdon, son of Micah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Azariah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire the Lord for me, and for the remnant in Israel, and Judah, about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us, because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. Hilkiah and those the king had sent with him went to speak to the prophetess Hulda, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tukhath, the son of Hasra, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district. She said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Tell the man who sent you to me, This is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster in this place and its people. All the curses written in the book that has been read in the presence of the king of Judah. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all that their hands have made. My anger will be poured out in this place and will not be quenched. Tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the words you heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God. When you heard what he spoke against this place and its people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Now I will gather you to your fathers, and you will be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster I am going to bring in this place and in those who live here. So they took the answer Back to the king. Uh, and then um, the king takes uh, further reforming steps. Uh, the, there is a covenant renewal uh, that takes place. There is the Passover that takes place. Um, the kind of which uh, we're told had not happened uh, since the time of Samuel, verse 18 of chapter 35. And now uh, I want to, to read verse 20 
The Passover took place in the 26th year of his life. So all of these things are happening closely together. But here now we are in the 39th year of Josiah's life as we come to verse 20. After this chapter 35. After all this, when Josiah had set the temple in order, Necha king of Egypt went up to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates. And Josiah marched out to meet him in battle. But Necho sent messengers to him, saying, What quarrel is there between you and me, O king of Judah? It is not you I am attacking at this time, but the house with which I am at war. God has told me to hurry, to stop opposing God, who is with me, or he will destroy you and Necho of Egypt was going to help Assyria against Babylon in the hope then that he would actually get some of the territory of Palestine from uh, Assyria if uh, Assyria won Josiah however would not turn away from him but disguised himself to engage him in battle he would not listen to what Necho had said at God's command, but went to fight him on the plain of Megiddo. Archer shot King Josiah, and he told his officers, Take me away, I am badly wounded. So they took him out of his chariot, put him in the other chariot he had, and brought him to Jerusalem, where he died. He was buried in the tombs of his fathers, and all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for him. Amen. Well, as we were saying with the boys and girls there, it's back to school this week, um, and uh, Monday to Friday, uh, and uh, over the next um, months here in church, it's back to Jeremiah. And um, Jeremiah, of course, is set in a very different culture, day and age from ours. Uh, we've had three months away from the book, and we're over two and a half thousand years away from the era in which he lived, and about the same distance away from the place in which he lived. Uh, and so this morning... I want to do uh, a recap uh, or a review, but like what will happen, boys and girls, when you go into school this week, uh, teachers will spend the first week or two getting you up to speed, getting you warmed up again, so that you're ready uh, to take on new information. Uh, and so um, that's what we want to do, not to take on new information, but to take on new spiritual truth. That will change our lives. We have reached uh, the end of chapter 13. And so what were the first 13 chapters about? Perhaps you're scratching your head thinking that was three months ago. Uh, well we want to sum up uh, the first 13 chapters under three headings. First of all, we have met a reforming king. And then secondly, we have met 
a faithful prophet. And then thirdly, we have met a superficial people. First of all, a reforming king. The, Duke of the, sorry, the book of Jeremiah spans the reigns of three major kings. It covers a period of 55 years. One of the challenges in reading and preaching Jeremiah is that the chapters are not in strict chronological order. Jeremiah has more of a thematic approach focusing on the spiritual health of the nation and the church. From the king at the top down through the priests and the prophets to the people in the pew. And he's concerned to avert the judgment of God from them by a reformation that touches the heart. And so he deals in themes. And his task is to warn them of this approaching certain awful judgment that the prophet S. Hulda also spoke about when the book of the law was discovered and she was asked for uh, her advice. There is nonetheless a general chronological progression in Jeremiah. Most Bible teachers place chapters 1 to 10 firmly within the reign of Josiah. So largely what we've covered up to this point is the reign of Josiah. The chapters that follow from 11 through to 20 are not tied into the reign of a particular or named king, but addressed generally. For example, chapter 13, verse 13, the kings to the kings that sit upon David's throne. Or chapter 17, verse 19, to the kings of Judah. Certainly by the time we reach chapter 21, from there to 24, Zedekiah is clearly in focus. So I think it's probably best to see chapters 11 to 20 as a sort of a sliding scale or a progression from the reign of Josiah in its latter years to and through the reign of Jehoiakim. So, that being the case, we've been largely in the reign of Josiah, probably um, overlapping some degree by the end of chapter 13 and into these teens of chapters now, into the reign of Jehoiakim. So what kind of a king was Josiah? Well, he's often referred to as the boy king, because he ascended to the throne at eight years of age. However, he ought to be known as the reforming king. The reforming king. At 16 years of age, as we've been saying with the boys and girls, he begins to follow the Lord. And his saving faith is no private matter, no personal matter, hidden away in his home and kept from or for his family. 
No, he knows that in his vocation, in his calling as king of Judah, his faith in the Christ who is to come and who would come to die for his sins and make him right with God by whom he is saved, that faith has got to show itself as he serves, as he rules, as he leads. Because one day he will answer to the Lord as king. And that's very important for us in our lives. To be reminded of that as we, boys and girls, as you go back into school, young people, as you go to university, or as you enter into the realm of work, that, yes, it is essential, it's vital that we have faith in Christ, that we profess that, but it's equally vital that we demonstrate that faith in the Christ who died on the cross by living more and more like the Christ whom we profess. And if we're not doing that, then there is something badly wrong with our profession of faith in Christ. Because those whom he saves, he also changes into his likeness. The name Josiah means the Lord supports. How important that is. And how beautiful a name that is. And how encouraging that name is. Boys and girls, as you go into school tomorrow, into a new environment for some of you, a new school, into a new class for others of you, perhaps you're apprehensive, fearful. Perhaps you've had bad experiences in the past year and they rise in your mind again as you think about school. Remember what Josiah, the name Josiah means The Lord supports. The Lord will support you. He will uphold you, as we saw there in Psalm 18, as the rock. And men and women, perhaps there's some new challenge in your life, in your family. Perhaps some new circumstance. Perhaps something in terms of health or well-being. Perhaps something in the realm of work and you are wondering, how am I going to cope? The Lord supports those who trust in him. He's a refuge. He's a strong tower. And so at the age of 20, this king whose name means the Lord supports begins a lock, stock and barrel reformation of the spiritual life of the church nation called Judah. And indeed this reformation, as we saw there, it extends up into the ten tribes, which by this stage, most of them are in captivity and there's only what would be called by Assyria the dregs of society that have been left behind. But Josiah extends this reformation focused on the Lord to them also. What does it involve? 
Well, it involves the removing of the idols that have uh, grown, uh, uh, that have grown to be accepted under the reign of Josiah's father, and especially his grandfather Manasseh, who had been an exceedingly wicked king until the last era of his life when he repented, but too late to undo the evil that he had done. What a warning that is to anyone here this morning not a Christian. If to live a life without Christ is to go the way of yourself, the way of the flesh, and the evil which you do over those years that you don't follow Christ, don't we all know it if we were converted in later life? We can't undo the sin that we did. No matter how hard we try, how important it is then to seek the Lord and to remember him in your youth. What a blessing that is. And so Jeremiah, or so Josiah uh, brings about this reformation, removing the false uh, gods. He, we read there of him smashing the idols and um, also dealing with priests who are lock, stock and barrel committed to false religion up and down the length and breadth of the country. And then, by the age of 26, this book of Deuteronomy is found, and he leads the nation in covenant renewal, that they are to be a people who walk in obedience to the commandments in their day and generation as the demonstration of their faith. For 31 years, Jeremiah or sorry, Josiah reigns faithfully. But we deliberately read the closing verses of chapter 35. Because this man, while he reigned faithfully, died tragically. He died tragically. Indeed, we might say he dies prematurely. At 39 years of age, when he's in his prime. Why? Because he meddles in a superpower battle that the Lord warns him not to become involved in. And he pays with his life. And his reforming influence dies with him. And in a very short time, all the good that he had done and all the reformation that he had sponsored and initiated is lost as his son Jehoahaz for a short reign and then Jehoiakim for a longer reign do much evil. What a lesson that is for us. Not to meddle in matters that are outside our responsibility. That are beyond our boundaries. They often think of the verse in Proverbs 26 verse 17. And I'm indebted to Al Martin for this verse. It's typically Al Martin. <clears throat> to pick up on it. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel not his own. Is like one who takes a dog by the ears try taking a dog by the ears and what will happen you'll get bitten 
Indeed, you may get destroyed by the dog. And that's precisely what Josiah did. He tried to take a dog by the ears. Pharaoh, or Necho, king of Egypt. He doesn't trust in the Lord. He's afraid that if um, if Assyria wins, then uh, Necho will get will be be rewarded for supporting Assyria with a stakehold in Palestine. He doesn't trust in the Lord to protect his people, to do what is right. He has to, as it were, become involved and try to help the Lord's purpose. And he becomes the casualty. Psalm 131 that we've just sung. Not getting involved in matters that are beyond us. It's a real important lesson for us. Boys and girls in school. If there is a quarrel that somebody else is involved in, walk past it. Do not get involved in it. Men and women in the workplace... If it is not something that is your responsibility, do not get involved in it. Leave it to those that are responsible. Those that are involved. Those that are of oversight of those individuals to deal with that situation. And it is equally true in the church. Over 25 years in the ministry... I've seen people who have become casualties as members of the Reformed Presbyterian Church. Why? Because they have meddled in matters that were not to do with them. They got involved in debates and doctrines and issues that are the responsibility of the elders, the presbyteries, the synod to sort out. And individuals becoming caught up in that. And they've got to have their view. And they've got to reach their conclusion. And they've got to have their input. And they become the casualty. Why? Because they're like one who takes a dog by the ears. So let's learn from this great reforming king not to bring our usefulness not to to lose our blessings in this church of Christ by making the mistake that he made of meddling in things that were beyond him let's learn to trust Christ for his church and with his church That he will uphold her. A reforming king. Let's notice then secondly this morning. And more briefly. A steadfast prophet. A steadfast prophet. The Lord in his mercy and love. Raises up a prophet. Who overlaps. King Josiah. Both men had been born in the last decade of the evil reign of King Manasseh and had seen the things that he had done. Probably they would also have 
had some awareness of his salvation. But neither would have known each other probably. Neither Josiah and Jeremiah would have known each other before the Lord thrust each into public office. One is a king and Jeremiah is a prophet. Now you remember that Jeremiah has grown up in a priestly family. And so it would be expected that at the age of 30 he would become a priest. But his vocation and life's work is to be a prophet. Around the age of 20 the Lord calls him to his service. Interestingly we're not told about his conversion or his coming to the Lord in salvation and for salvation. Jeremiah's ministry continues for 50 years throughout three major kingships. That of Josiah, Jehoiakim and Zedekiah. And his task is one of the most demanding given to any Old Testament prophet. It's one of the most demanding given to any Old Testament prophet. Both in terms of the day in which he ministers, which is a very evil day, and also the period for which uh, he is called to minister. Remember how the Lord described the kind of ministry he would have. If you go back to chapter 1 and verse 10. It was a ministry to root out and pull down. To destroy and throw down. To build and to plant. There was what people today would call an awful lot of negative ministry. Uh, that uh, Jeremiah would do. Past five weeks, our builders have been in North Road. And the first three weeks, they had a lot of tearing down to do. Before they could start building. To make that building what we wanted to be. And the same was true of the church in Jeremiah's day and Josiah's day. There was a lot of tearing down. And Josiah did the tearing down and uh, physically. But you can tear things down physically when it comes to matters of religion and faith. But they still remain strong in the heart. And so Jeremiah's got to get into the heart. And he's got to root out and pull down in the heart. He's got to destroy and throw down in the heart. And he's got to then build and to plant in the hearts of this people. Jeremiah was also reminded or warned by the Lord of the response of the people. Verse 19. They will fight against you. They will fight against you. And so Jeremiah, whose name means the Lord is high. So uh, we've had the Lord supports Josiah, Jeremiah, 
The Lord is high. And what a truth that is. The Lord is high. The Lord is over all things. Boys and girls, he's over all things in the school program, the school timetable, the class you will be in, the teachers you will have. The Lord is high. Men and women, he's high. He's high over your employer. He's high over the politicians in our land. He's high over the, um, the affairs of our land. And so this name, meaning the Lord is high, um, enables Jeremiah to go about his work alongside Josiah, knowing that the Lord supports him also. And so he begins his prophetic ministry. Probably about the time as just the same time as Josiah begins the National Reformation. So, they're working together. And as Josiah goes up and down the land and gets these idols pulled down and smashed into pieces, uh, like the concrete that we were smashing yesterday in the floor uh, at North Road, Jeremiah is going up and down the land and he's preaching. And the word of the Lord, he wants to see it like a hammer, like a sledge in the hearts of the people. Not that the people would be crushed and pulverized, but that they would be humbled, that they would call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, who is to come as the Messiah, the Lord Messiah. And so he begins his prophetic ministry. And he continues it for the next 50 years. And during the um, 18 years or thereabouts, when Josiah is still king, Jeremiah is protected. He's protected. Nobody will touch the prophet as long as the king follows the Lord and serves the Lord and so Jeremiah goes about and he confronts the people chapter 2 verses 1 uh, verse 1 to 3 5 with the fact that they've left their first love chapter 3 verse 6 to chapter 4 verse 4 he confronts them with the fact that they're not learning from their older sister the ten tribes and the judgment that came upon them for their sin. And then from chapter 4 to chapter 6, verse 30, he warns them that they need to get ready for judgment. If they're not going to repent, they've got to get ready for judgment. They've got to realize there's going to be judgment. And then he speaks to them in chapter 8 and 9 of how the Lord has no pleasure in judging people. He longs that people will repent and come to a knowledge of the truth in Christ. And then 11 and 12, we see, we've seen Jeremiah probing beneath the surface. Yes, there's all this reformation that King Josiah is doing. And the people, as it were, are turning up to the religious events. 
But Josiah is given to understand that there's not a matching response and change in the heart. And so he urges them to look beneath the surface. And so then um, in chapter 13, the last sermon that we did, we saw how Jeremiah exposed their pride. We have a steadfast prophet who spoke to the heart and demanded change in the life. And so, is that not what we need in our churches? We need ministry that is based on the word and in prayer, surrounded with prayer, which speaks to our hearts and which changes our lives. The Lord speaks to Jeremiah and Jeremiah speaks faithfully and steadfastly Presenting the Lord to the people, to the prophet, to the priest, to the king. Confronting them with their sin and all that they need to change. A steadfast prophet. But then let's notice thirdly that we have a superficial people. We have a superficial church or a superficial people. How does the church in Jeremiah's day and Josiah's day respond to Josiah the reforming king, to Jeremiah the faithful prophet? Well, they embrace the changes. They embrace all the changes that Josiah the reforming king introduces. There is a downturn, a marked downturn in the worship of idols. In fact, you could walk through the land and you would hardly see an idol or see anyone worship an idol. And equally, at the same time, there's an upsurge in attendance of temple worship. There's no uprising against Josiah or the changes he introduces. The people willingly give their assent to the vows that he puts to them in covenant renewal. The end of chapter 34, that section we didn't read. And when it comes to the Passover in the 18th year, when Josiah is 26, we read 2 Chronicles 34, sorry, 35 verse 18, there had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet. So if you'd been looking at the numbers, there's a wonderful work of God going on in Judah. People are packing out the buildings and the religious uh, uh, events. They're attending them. Yet, yet, Jeremiah realizes when he listens to the word of the Lord, 
all is not well. Something is missing among the church members, among the citizens of Judah who have accepted the demolition of the idols, who have taken the vows of covenant renewal, who have participated in this great Passover. Very striking when you read Second Chronicles chapter 34 and 35, and I tried um, at some points to emphasize this, it's important to realize and to observe how everything in this spiritual reformation revolves around Josiah. Look at Second Chronicles chapter 34, verse 3. He began to purge. Verse 4, when they broke down the altars, verse 4, in his presence. Why are they breaking down these altars? Well, because Josiah is standing there and he's the king and you don't disobey the king. No matter what you think in your heart. It is Josiah that orders the repair of the temple. Did you notice when Hilkiah the priest finds the book of the law? What's the role of the priest? The priest was to not just offer sacrifices. He was involved in the expounding of the word of God already given. But what does this priest Hilkiah do? He hands it to one of the secretaries. Would that be of any good sort of thing? Do you think we should hold on to that? He doesn't even realize the significance of the find. And what's more, he's not interested in opening it and having it read. And it's Shaban who takes it to Josiah. And it is the king, Josiah, who humbles himself not the priest Hilkiah. It's the king Josiah who initiates the covenant renewal, not the priest Hilkiah. And did you notice who it is that they have to go to to find out what they should do about this book and how they should avert the judgment of God, it is to Huldah the prophetess. There are very few prophetesses in the scriptures. There are very few occasions when women are in a position of giving spiritual leadership in scripture. There is Deborah. There is Huldah. And there are a number of others. But it's always a sign of days of low spirituality. The Lord God has so ordained things that in the teaching and ruling ministry of his church, it is the man who is to have the leadership. 
is to be in the role of making truth known. But if men don't do it, and if men aren't doing it, then the Lord's voice will not be silent. And the Lord has raised up this woman. And it's striking that she is the one, not Hilkiah, who's able to bring the spiritual focus and implications and application of this discovery to the people. This reformation of Josiah, it's of him. Now, I'm not saying by that that the Lord is not in it. But what I'm saying is the people's hearts are not in it. It is of the Lord, and it is right that Josiah does these things, but it is utterly shameful. The way in which the people react. They go along with it. And you come to chapter 34 verse 32. Again you read of Josiah. He made all take their stand. Verse 33. He made all present diligently serve the Lord. And so when Josiah dies tragically, when Jeremiah is 19 years into his 50 year ministry and an ungodly king and a string of ungodly kings comes to the throne, the Reformation vanishes like snow of a ditch in a winter's day when the sun begins to shine. And life becomes increasingly difficult for Jeremiah, as we shall see in the weeks ahead. So what is missing? What is missing in the people? The heart is missing. Heart change is missing. Heart change that brings life change. Yes, there's lots of outward change, but there's no inward change. There's lots of reformation, but there's no regeneration. It's a head religion only. What a dangerous thing. It is to hear the word of God. It's a great privilege. It's a great blessing. But it's a great challenge. And it's a great danger. Because with it comes the danger. That we simply respond outwardly. And yes we gather for the meetings of the church. And one thing and another. But the heart is missing. What did God say? How do we show that we love him? Is it by smashing idols? Is it by taking covenants 
Is it by taking the Lord's Supper? And he said, you love the Lord your God with all your heart. And yes, when the heart is there, all those other things are wonderful manifestations of that. And so, what a challenge comes to us from this people. And we've seen it. In the first 13 chapters, they are a superficial church. Refusing to change in the heart and to obey from the heart. And they will persecute Jeremiah to the death. Almost, if they could. And so we ask ourselves as we close this morning. These people, when Josiah dies, because there's no heart in them for the Lord, they just go back to the old ways. They go back to worshipping the idols. What do you like when you're away from church? What do you like in the workplace? Children, what do you like in school? Fathers and mothers and husbands and wives, what do we like in the family? Young people, what do you like in your families? What do you like when you're away from the influence of godly parents, godly peers, godly church members, when you are in the ungodly environment of the world that rejects Christ and his cross as the way to be saved and his commandments as the way to live? Are you superficial like the people? Or are you sincere like Jeremiah and Josiah? Because you've sought the Lord with all your heart. And he, Christ dwells by a spirit in your heart. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, your servant Jeremiah will remind us later. The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Lord, as you see us now, each one, we pray that you would search us and know us and lead us from our hearts which have idols and lead us in the way of Christ. May he dwell in our hearts. May we love you with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Lead us, O Lord, in the way that is everlasting. Preserve us from being superficial, outward. Lord, make us those who are like Jeremiah and like Josiah. And help us in the week which lies ahead to know that the Lord is high and to know that the Lord supports those who trust in him. In Jesus' name, amen.